It's Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com, coming soon to iOS and Android. The intersection of body and space. That's what we're discussing today on The Devil is Alive. The Devil is Alive. Here's your host, Angel Nicole. The Devil is Alive. This and every week, we're bringing you authentic voices who are willing to share how they consistently defeat imposter syndrome and overcome adversity. Don Scott Stafford, a nurse turned interior designer, coined the BOD methodology and explains it in depth in her new book, Design Disrupted. After nearly two decades of fulfilling a passion of helping others through wellness and healthcare, she decided to pursue her God given gift of interior design, bringing beauty to the most intimate of spaces where we live and where we work. I'm excited to welcome Dawn to The Devil is Alive, not only because she's a gifted and talented interior designer and loving person, but she's also a dear friend. So welcome to the show, Dawn. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? (laughs) I'm well, I'm well. All right. So we're going to start with the naysayers. And I want to start here because... Anytime you decide to take a plunge into a totally different area and folks aren't familiar with you working in that space, they typically have something to say. They're either going to give you the side eye looking at you like, well, why would you leave this amazing career to start this new business or this new venture? How did you navigate through that? And what were those moments like for you? Uh, that's a very good question. <laughs> um, to be To be totally frank with you. I think if you are going to reinvent yourself, which is this is the decision I made at the time that I did it, you have to ignore your haters and your naysayers, regardless of what the chatter may be. For me, I am one of a closed and small circle anyway, but certainly there were some that said, you know, why are you doing that? And some were family members like, you know, you've been a nurse forever. Why would you want to make that change now? And I'm like, it's actually been my passion my whole life. Some of them, even though they knew that, and I had done that in their homes, it was almost this thing of, but it's different now because that means that you will be stepping out in a new way. Like it's um, real all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, because... like all of a sudden you're giving up what is like a planted in their mind, like stable ground mm-hmm. to go into something that is totally opposite of that. Especially when you're saying you want to be in business for yourself at the end of that journey, when you change careers, go back to school, the whole nine yards. Um, so for me, uh, I just had to quiet my mind, be true to myself and step out on faith. Quiet the noise is what I say, like, because a lot of times that noise can clutter really your truth and really the path that you're supposed to be going down, right? Absolutely. That noise will cause people to um, sit in a place of being an imposter for satisfaction of others. 
instead Absolutely. of finding them true selves. And so staying there, because once you decided to make that pivot, you didn't jump all in at one time. You took your time, you built your name, you built your brand. And I think a lot of times people do that and, you know, they are like, oh, I got this side hustle. This is what I'm doing over here. How were you able to successfully transition into the full-time interior designer? Oh, so that's a journey in itself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell you the truth. Um, first, of course, I went back to school, right? I got the degree, but while I was in school, I was like, how can I get my feet wet? Not having the degree yet, um, not having tested yet, what what do I do? So I actually decided, I was like, I'm going to go into event design. It'll give me, it'll allow me that creative outlet in some sense, but at the same time, it'll give me an opportunity to get my feet wet, network a little bit, do some television, which I did, which was totally fun. Do some events, um, kind of learn how things move and shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that planted my feet. I did that for seven or eight years. I did it for two years, uh, the two years of schooling. And then behind that, I did it. Um, that helped me kind of get settled. And the other thing too is not closing any option out, I think is a good way to think about it when you're transitioning. Cause you may have something built specifically in your head mm-hmm. that is not doesn't work for reality or is not the reality. But I think that you need to get your feet wet. I do think you need to be methodical and strategic in your decisions as you move about and move forward. Even if you have a longer trajectory in front of you that you want to reach, one step at a time, you got to call before you walk. Now, you literally incorporate lessons learned and taught from nursing, because you also did nursing school before you became an RN and all that. So how were you able to kind of take a step back, look at these two totally different paths, if you will, and say, this is how I see them kind of being synonymous with one another. How did that happen for you? I'm going to be honest with you. I believe that's always how I've seen the space. Um, I've known I was going to be a nurse since a yay high, right, was already decided for me. And then um, designing was always in my blood. My mother's an artist. Um, She loved interior, always did things to beautify her home. And I was always messing around in my room one way or another, whether it was a new bed or a new comforter. Most kids were asking for like, can I get an outfit for Christmas? I was asking for, can you give me that comforter out of the speaker catalog, please? I think it was always there. But certainly once I got fully into nursing, I think I always saw a room as the same way as I saw my body. And I think that correlation is anonymous. I think we've just not made that tie and how I came to it. Go ahead. And are you saying that in regards to how you design a space, it's the same way that you look at designing a body? I just want to make sure we're clear and we're getting our audience a very clear understanding of what we're saying. So that I'm 100% clear. So -hmm. the body of design methodology is making a body, the body, meaning head, trunk, arms, right? Legs. Like, wait, 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 wait. What's our trunk? Like back here? Our trunk. Sorry. So our trunk is literally from our midline to the top of our head, right? And then we have our extremities, which are our arms and our and our legs. And okay. so I say that to say, and, and, and we would say trunk is really here, no arms attached and no legs, we're speaking medically. But I say that to say, it's 
the way I made that synopsis is the same way you tackle a room. And then I'm going to take that a step further and layer your clothing and design with that. So what I will say is in a, in a space, when we design a room, let's say we're taking a living room, right? The first thing we do is if we don't know that we're supposed to start with paint and finishes, right? Person moves into, let's say an apartment mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, it's empty. I need furniture. They'll go into that room and decide on the largest space, which would be a sofa, right? And then a coffee table is usually the first thoughts in their head. Like, oh yeah, I need end tables and a lamp because that makes use of the room. Mm -hmm. Well, the largest piece of furniture in a room is the sofa and the largest part of your body is the trunk of your body. So it's a correlation one-to-one. -one. And when we start stretching out on our limbs, that's when we start doing finishes to our body, right? And when we stretch out into our room after those mainstays are in, that's when we start finishing a room. So when you're saying finishes, we're, we're talking accessories. Accessories. Accessories on your body. Okay. Mm -hmm. Finishes are walls and also accessories. Okay. So in other words, they're one-to-one. -one. It really is handled the same way. We're just not making the correlation. The devil is alive. So you guys, we are talking with Dawn Scott Stafford, the author of Design Disrupted. And she is telling us all about the BOD methodology, which is a direct correlation between how you dress your body, and how you furnish a space. All right. So mm -hmm. Don, tell me a little bit more because you said that this is something that was always there for you, right? Mm -hmm. So for the person who does not quite know how to furnish a space because it's almost like it's intimidating for some people to walk mm -hmm. into a house or to walk into an office and put it all together. Where do you Absolutely. start? Where do you start? Okay. So first to remove the intimidation, I would say when you walk into an empty space, don't start putting things into the room first. The first thing I want you to do is address you. That is the best way. If it is your space, right? It should be a reflective design. It should be of you. It should be the things that you love. You should not be intimidated by what you see on Instagram, that everything is perfect in this place. That may not be your lifestyle, may not be how you live. You may have three young children who are running across the house like crazy, and that just simply doesn't work. You have to understand your reality, what it is that you love, um, what is that you don't, what's important to you, what you want to see when you walk into your space, what you want to feel when you walk into your space. Um, home should be a solace, right? And and if it's of you, when you walk in that door, you're going to feel the, <sighs> instead of the walking in and the, uh, right? <laughs> right. And, right. Stress. Uh, yeah. Or it doesn't, you're, sometimes that stress is, it doesn't feel like me. I'm still struggling with this room feels like me or that room doesn't feel like me. So how do we make mm -hmm. it feel like it's a part of who it is, we are or a reflection mm -hmm. of who we are? One of the key things you can do is walk into your closet, close your eyes, take a deep breath and then open them. And the outfit that you love the most, whether it's formal, informal, beach attire or one of each, right? Pull those things. It's not going to be a whole lot. It's going to be a top and a bottom. It may be an elegant dress and it may be something else. I guarantee you when you pull those things, likely there's going to be some semblance in color. 
there's going to be some sort of tie and semblance in style. There'll be a thread of a connection that you'll see, right? And when that thread of connection starts to speak, that thread is you. Then the other thing you can do beside that is start to look around you. What's important to you? Is family important to you? Is music important to you? Is writing important to you? Your children, are they the apple of your eye? Is something you're passionate about, but you don't have time to do, but you would like to have time to do? Those are all the questions you need to ask yourself. In the book, it gives you literally a list of questions that's like about 30 questions to stop and answer those questions before you start jumping to put things into space. You need to know what it is that you want and what's important to you and what you want to see before you start to go out and buy. And we're all good for that. Like home goods, you know, Macy's furniture sale on a holiday weekend, you know, green front furniture, all of the above. We'll jump out there and be like, oh, and then we get there and we're like, oh, I love this chair. And we come back home and realize, hmm. Either this doesn't feel right in the space or this doesn't marry with everything else I already have, or this is not, this is not going in the direction I want. And you really need to back up and find your reflective design style to educate yourself, right? And three, when you understand your design style, you can then understand what you need in your The assignment that you offer people to really kind of figure out their style for design Is that the same process of what you need to go through for your accessories? Like, look at your handbags, look at your jewelry. Like, how? Because I will tell you this. Yes. I can pick out my big pieces. It's Mm -hmm. this little stuff that I'd be like, "Mm, do I really want to spend on this itty bitty? On that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's where I have a hard time. So, how do you go through and really make sure? that those little trinkets and little design pieces align with everything else. So here's here's the funny thing when you say that. I don't want you to miss the fact that that told you something about yourself. One, right? Not that you're frugal. That's mm-hmm. not the point. The point is, do I really find weight and purpose in that? Right. Mm -hmm. When you ask yourself that question, it was like, oh, is this really worth it? But you're really Mm -hmm. saying something else to yourself. And that correlates to your design style. Right. When I'm out and I see something, it may be something that's costly. But if it's something you're passionate about, you'll put the money into it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if it's not something that is connected to your soul you're likely going to say it's not worth it. That's how we all are. So it's like if it's a piece of pottery and in no way do you have a connection to it, you're likely not going to buy it. However, if you like art and you're at a art event and the artist that you like has handmade a piece of pottery that you absolutely love because you love their style, Mm -hmm. you will invest in it, right? So Mm -hmm. I think it's tricking your mind and understanding, just like you said to yourself, I'm not going to do that because of this. The other side of that is, what did that really tell me about myself Mm. in in decision-making? That's good. That's good. Because I've never (laughs) really thought about it from that, that angle. But the reality is like, you know me, like I don't have problems spending the money, but I have to understand, Stand. like like you said, the value. Now, how important is it to kind of do your research on designers to know if you're getting a good deal? Because again, while I am not cheap, I don't like wasting money. You know what I mean? Right. Like I like nice things, but I'm not just trying to spend just to be like, oh, I got 
whoever up in my house. So how do you shop or, you know, still have luxury on a budget? So first I would say when it comes to designers, do your research, read. There ought to be a connection for you when you choose a designer. And I would say interview many. If you're seriously like, I need a designer, I cannot do this myself in any way, shape or form, or I don't want to take this on because it's too much square footage or what have you. I certainly would say, do your research read their stories, even if it's on their website, their personal story about themselves, their bio, see if there's some connection for you. Look through their images, see if there's designs house that they use, or a lot of designers have a said design style now that they use versus being versatile, right? They'll coin themselves in a particular market, monochromatic or what have you. So I say that to say, look at it that way and then interview. And when you interview be prepared to do more than three interviews so you can really get a sense and a feel. And then for designers, you know, they'll bring um, boards, you know, to say, here's a mood board. Do you like this field? Do you like this? Field? After they have had that first consultation with you. Um, and that tells you, too, are they a match for you? Did they did they hear what you said? Were they able to articulate it mm-hmm. back to you, not in verbal, but in visual? So are you suggesting that at that moment when you kind of are like, this is a bit much for me and I don't necessarily have the time, this may be the opportunity to invest in an interior designer who would be familiar with the styles, who would be familiar with like a high end artist that, you know, you might find on a budget. Is that what I'm hearing? Okay. Absolutely. And the other thing too, is I want to say about the budget now flipping over to the, I wanted to answer your interior design question first for designers and then mm-hmm. flipping over to the budget section of it, get versed in what's in your state or city that you reside in, because there are consignment stores that only get model home furniture. And most people do not know about that, which is clearly on a budget by the time it gets to that consignment store. You'd be so surprised. And I'll tell you, one of the best ways to finish your home on a budget is that way. So even if you don't want to buy the larger pieces from the consignment store, even though they haven't been used and been sitting in the model home, when it comes to accessories, that is, you cannot beat it when it comes to art pieces and lamps, bowls, uh, vases, faux plants, throw pillows. A lot of times what we're looking for is not what is in home goods, even though I'm a home goods lover. You're looking for a piece that's not been duplicated so many times. Yes. So when someone comes into your home, they're like, where did you get that? It becomes a conversation starter, right? Mm-hmm. Those are how you find those pieces that sometimes maybe you have seen in a very high end place mm-hmm. that are now at a price point that you're willing to pay for. I love it. I love it. Now, I want to take us back to kind of like your design concepts and okay. how, again, the idea for fashion and interior design Mm -hmm. literally collide. Have you considered doing like an experience where people can- Embody it? Yeah, like really embody it and, and, and like walk in it and really experience it. Because I think it's one thing to hear about something or to read about something, but to have it in your presence. Have you considered doing something like that? Absolutely. Coming in the current week, we're doing something that is immersive like that, where there will actually be a runway show. And I will be speaking to the models on the runway show so that when you see what's on the model, I correlate that to either a design board that you can visually look at or 
while I'm talking through, this is why this is chosen for this. So if you today stood up and I could see what you had on from head to toe, and you said to me, I love this outfit because it's comfortable. I love the color blue. Um, it makes me feel safe and warm. The The jewelry I chose is gold. And the reason I chose gold is I prefer gold finishes over silver finishes. Okay. So then we move that into space and I say, okay, well, here's a room. What room are we doing? You tell me. And it's easier for me to understand where you are and what you like and feedback off of you, right? Based on that. Um, into the interior design environment. So we're winding down to the end of the episode. But before we go, I have to ask you what your devil is a lie moment is. Now, this is essentially a time or a place that you had to overcome adversity or you literally were faced with imposter syndrome and you were not quite sure how you were going to make it out of that situation. So what we would like to know is what the situation was how you made it out of it, and what was waiting for you on the other side. Okay. You mean without tears? <laughs> Girl, I want it all. <laughs> I Do want it all. Without tears? Um, you know, you asked this question, I think, at the top of the show about coming into this journey and naysayers and what have you. And what I will say is starting out on the first leg, I have support of family, but whether they were a question like, we just want you to, you know, you're going to be okay or things will be good. You know, that's a lot of stress. You have a young one, you know, all those things families say to you. And then past that, we have a big body of other people. And you know this because we are close who are tied to a church family. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think probably the hardest thing for me sometimes is people seeing past my skin, right? And I say that very humbly, but so truthfully, because first they think pretty face, maybe there's no brain, right? And have literally at times said to my husband, I didn't know she could speak so well after having seen me on television or she can really cook. So I think for me, all my life, there's sort of been this struggle in this space and I'm very cerebral, which I find completely annoying. And I'm not the only one who has lived in this space as mm -hmm. a female. So I would say my devil and lie moment is not letting that story define me over a lifetime and really continuing to show up and show out, having God show up and show out through me to fight that, to say, it doesn't matter what we look like, it's what's in here and what's in here that it truly matters, right? And so the lie is not what you tell, right? It's really it's really these two things. The rest of this is a number dirt, as right. they would say, if you in church. And then past that, I would probably say 100% fully letting go of everything and walking in the shoes of a designer and not teetering back. Because during this journey, I've had times where I was not questioning myself, but you know, when you first start out, everything is not consistent, but you mm -hmm. still need to be financially consistent, right? Mm -hmm. So going back and taking a nursing job while I'm still doing some television and still doing a side job for events, right? After finishing school till you start to get some legs up under you. And then not only that, but just the devil telling you that, no, I know you want this, right? Um, but you can't have it. I think that's a, it's been a real thing for me where I've cried every day on a job for just about six weeks and then said, 
no, this is my dream and I'll be darned, right? God didn't give it to me for no reason. He didn't plant the seed not to harvest it. I'm going to trust and go on faith, even when it feels like scary as H-double-E hockey sticks. You mean H-E-double hockey sticks, not double E. I mean, I'm H-E-double hockey sticks, yeah. (laughs) And so my last question for you, before you share how people can get the book, how proud were you when you held your very first book that you authored, that you crafted, that you did the layout for? What was that moment like for you? Bare bones, honest. It took me a minute to tell the truth. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think we all think what other people do, right? Like they get it and they're like, ah, like it's here. And and I think for me, it was like, um, I needed to rest in the moment. Uh, and I shed some tears and still do like, if you just trust him, won't he do it? Even when you thought, or even when the devil said, just keep pushing and keep trusting. He will do it for you. So I think for me, it was more resting in the moment um, versus the holler and the scream and understanding the blessing of being able to walk that journey because everybody gets that opportunity. All right. So before we start shedding <laughs> tears, how can people get a copy of this book? Design Disrupted is available at Barnes & Noble as well as Amazon. It's also available on Apple, um, iTunes, and it's also available on Kobo, which is K-O-B-O. So essentially, it is available everywhere. And how can everywhere. people follow you on um, social media, your website, if they want to get in contact for interior design assistance? Um, for interior design, you can go to remainandremind.com and Design Disrupted also has a website, which is www.designdisrupted.com. You can get in touch with me both places. Even if it's interior design on the other side and you're in the book section of Design Disrupted, you can still email me um, or call. Same thing on Remain and Remind if you're interested in Design Disrupted and you're interested in interior design. So you're looking at both. It doesn't matter which one you're on. You can connect with me. For social media, I don't use Twitter as much as I should. However, I'm very consistent on Instagram. And that is Remain and Remind is the handle for Instagram. Um, I ask you to go to it, follow. There's a ton of design tips. There's a lot of meat on there um, that should help you in your design journey and be certain. Throw out any questions, I'll answer at any time or message me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this last half hour, Dawn. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I love you. (laughs) And to you at home, I hope that you have absolutely enjoy this last half hour as we have shared some design tips, some different things that you can do to really tap into your uh, a reflection of yourself in your most intimate spaces. Um, if you would like to follow me on social media, you can follow me at the angel Nicole, and we'd love to know how you're enjoying the podcast. Um, so definitely make sure that you shoot me a note or leave a comment on the page that you're listening to on your favorite podcast platform. The Devil is a Lie is a production of the Alive Podcast Network, engineered by Julio Gonzalez of Zymer.co, and music is provided by Audio Vibes. 
Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media at Alive Podcast Network. If you're interested in joining the Alive Podcast family, visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com to learn more. We hope that you enjoy today's show and remember, greatness is within you. And if anyone tells you any different, the devil is a lie. Until next time, be blessed. The devil is a lie.